Hey friends, Pastor Josh here, and thank you again for joining me for the Ascending Life podcast. We are on another episode of You Asked, and today I have a special guest to talk about a topic that is frequently avoided in the church circles today, and unfortunately so, because we are are in a time where biblical clarity is needed more than ever on this topic, and the topic is human sexuality, uh, gender identity, and biblical identity in Christ. What does the Bible have to say about all this, and why is it so important for the freedom of human beings, especially at a time where there's so many lies and there's so much deception surrounding the uh, makeup of the human being, of, of gender, of sexuality. Why has Satan taken such an aggressive approach at attacking this specific issue? We're going to be looking at those questions and so many more with my special guest, Patty Height. Uh, you guys, I'm so encouraged by Patty's story. She knows firsthand what it's like to be in the grips of this lifestyle within the uh, LGBTQ uh, community and knows even greater than that the power of Jesus, his saving power, his freeing power, as he has brought her to a place where her life now is a testimony to those who are currently in this battle. Uh, Patty has started Out of Egypt Ministries. You guys can find her content, her information on uh, outofegyptministries.org, outofegyptministries.org. And I encourage you to go check her out. She's got a lot of great content and she is on the front lines of some very real battles, uh, cultural, biblical. So you need to pray for her as well. But we're going to have a great discussion. So uh, let's dive right in. And here's our episode with Patty Hyde. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to, again, this uh, edition of the podcast. And I'm so excited today to have a special guest. We've uh, talked on the phone a little bit, and I have had the opportunity to hear her story firsthand uh, just through some videos, but I'm, I'm really blessed to have her in person today. Patty Hyde is with us. I introduced you guys a little bit to her ministry out of Egypt Ministries. But Patty, I want to thank you for uh, joining me today. Thank you for the invite, Pastor Josh. I'm really excited to see yeah. uh, how the Lord directs our conversation. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I know that this is a, a topic in a, a set of issues that is really on the front lines of where our culture is at today for a lot of people. I think the number is increasing more and more. And I really appreciate your ministry, um, having heard your story, because I think, I personally think that you are on a strategic front, that the enemy is is just full bore, just really going on the attack uh, in regard to human identity. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that later, why he is so strongly attacking this area of human sexuality. But before we even go there, um, for those of those of those who are listening or watching that don't know your story, Tell us a little bit about where you've come from and what God's done in your life and the ministry and the heartbeat of the ministry that you're in currently. Let me first just say our God is so mighty to save. (laughs) And that is our God's heart. He wants that none should perish uh, wherever we are. And when the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you, I believe that's from the moment of conception. Because in all right, uh, the way I was uh, living, the Lord should have left me if he was a man like us. But he is so good. And I'm so thankful that he gave me uh, eyes to see him for who he is and a heart to believe. So that as it says in Ephesians, uh, I think it's chapter one, that that once we we saw the truth and believed, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful for that because... Jude tells us that he is able to keep us from stumbling. And I'm so thankful for that because he, he truly has kept me. I'm so blown away. I'll be saved 19 years in January. And it has been, uh, when, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I, I often share that when I got up to to go up front at, at the church I was at uh, to pray, to truly uh, receive the free gift of salvation, I, I, I share that my feet, I don't think my feet were touching the ground when I walked up, walked up, and I, I don't think they've touched the ground since. So it's it's amazing, which is great because it saves on shoes. I've not yeah. worn out a single tread on any <laughs> shoe. Just kidding. 
but um, so yes, my my ministry, is, as I'm sure you introduced, is out of Egypt ministries, and it's Egypt in the sense of uh, a spiritual place of mm. of bondage and, and slavery, and and I didn't even know that I was. I had no idea that I was in slavery because I was actually declaring that I was walking in in freedom, wow. but. But my freedom was was a, a freedom that I, I brought uh, into my identification as is um, freedom because I was following my emotions and my mm. feelings, which is understandable. That's what we do. We're we're prone to do that. Sure. Um, and so uh, my ministry verse is uh, Leviticus, not the one that you think, <laughs> not eighteen twenty two. But it's Leviticus 26, 13 that says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, Mm. that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. Wow. And I am. Yes. Right. Isn't God's word so amazing? And and so uh, my place of of bondage, um, which came from deception, started when I was very young, but understandable deception. I was one of those little kids uh, growing up in, in a neighborhood back in the 1900s. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? 2022 in, in less than a month. But um, yeah, so I was, I was hanging out playing with neighborhood kids. And uh, for me, all the neighborhood kids were boys, which worked fantastic for me because I thought I was a boy. Mm. I didn't think I was a boy because I was in a neighborhood of all boys. That was just, just uh, something that worked out well for me, whether I ever left my home or not to go outside and play. I thought that I was a boy and not in a tomboy sense uh, because little girls can be tomboys. That's great. Go Mm. climb trees, go play with trucks, go play sports. That's fantastic. But usually little girls that are tomboys, when they hit puberty, they grow out of a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and they start to embrace their feminine identity. And that wasn't the case for me. Mm. Um, I, I walked and talked and moved and uh, most deeply thought like a boy. Mm. And so when I came to the understanding that I wasn't a boy, I became very confused and that confusion quickly turned in, into anger. I thought that I was gypped. You know, I thought, why am I the one out of all my friends? Why do I have to be the boy that has this girl body? Why do I have to hear people calling me she and her and daughter? And this was way before pronouns were, were part of the discussion. I just knew that within myself that Johnny's being called he and him, and I'm being called she and her, and yet we're the same. This is confusing. thus leading into uh, anger. And so I took that anger out on myself because I, I hated my body. I had a love hate relationship with it. I, I loved the fact that my body was, uh, had the capability to do all the things that the boys did actually uh, even excel uh, better than a lot of the boys in in sports and such. Um, And yet it was that same body was telling me that I was a girl. So with this love, hate, confusing relationship that I had with my own body, I began to self injure, uh, thinking that if I, if I hurt my body or if I injure it enough, maybe it'll, maybe that'll be the trigger to, to turn it into, to the boy body that I was longing for. It's so, so deep. And we don't even realize how deep these things are until for me, until I sat at the Lord's feet and started asking him questions, you know, and, and, and he's so faithful to answer our questions for us. And so, so I, uh, you know, was trying to understand that I was a girl. I, I apparently must've talked to my parents about it. I don't really remember, but I do remember that my mom told me, uh, later when I was older, that when I was eight years old, she took me to the doctor and asked him, what do I do with my daughter? She thinks she's a boy, but that was, uh, that was 1974. And so he didn't really have an answer. You know, he didn't really know what to do. He, my mom said that he told her, just uh, let her let her work through it. When she comes out on the other side, when she's a teenager, she'll embrace her femininity and she'll make a great wife someday. 
And so actually he wasn't that far off because statistics show that that those uh, children that are gender confused uh, pre-puberty, once they go through puberty, if there's no uh, alterations that, that come into their life, they grow out of that and start to embrace their God-given gender. And mm. that was not the case for me though. So then when I did hit puberty, I came to uh, recognize that I was attracted to the same sex. I was confused about that as well because I knew I was a girl, and, uh, my body declared that I was a girl. So girls liking girls was wrong, but in my mind, I felt like a boy. So a boy liking girls wasn't wrong. So there was all this confusion yeah. there as well. And I didn't know what to do with all that confusion. Um, there was a season that I was being uh, inappropriately touched sexually. And so that was confusing as well. My mind was telling me, um, the only reason this is happening is because you're a girl. If you were a boy, this wouldn't be happening. Mm. So that made me hate my uh, female body even more. Mm. And so I didn't know what to do with all of this. We didn't go to church. I didn't really have a relationship with my parents that I could talk to them about these things. My brother and sister were 15 and 13 years older than me. So already out of the house. And so, and there was no internet, praise God. So there I was by myself not knowing how to deal with all of this. So the only thing that I could think of to do to um, alleviate the pain and confusion was I started getting high, started smoking pot at 12 years old. And that quickly turned to uh, heavy drugs like LSD and mushrooms and a lot of pills and cocaine and stuff. And so by the time I was 13, I was doing heavy drugs and drinking. And by the time I was 15, I was drug addicted, alcoholic. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But God, but I, I just, and even in that, Pastor Josh, even in that, he was right there mm. with me. He was wow. holding me, like in a sense, telling me, oh, honey, I know this is hard right now, but I have a plan and a future mm -hmm. for you. And, and it's going to be a minute, but you're going to get there. You're going to get there. And I have a plan for your life that you could never imagine. But I didn't hear that. I didn't know there was a God that I could cry out to. I had no idea. And so, you know, in high school, I tried to uh, become uh, more feminine. I tried to, to become what society expected of me as a girl. Um, I felt very awkward in it. I felt like I was a liar. And uh, so uh, my sister recognized that there was something going on with me. So she uh, uh, came and, and uh, when I graduated high school, got me out of the house and brought me to live with her. And it was, she was living in Florida and it was there that I ended up meeting a guy, long story, but to bring it uh, into a more compact uh, idea of what happened, um, I dated him and then ended up marrying him in hopes that it would alleviate the same sex attraction and even take away the gender confusion because I was always trying to figure things out and handle things in my own wisdom and my own strength, because I didn't know there was a God who I could turn to or a God that loved me and yeah. wanted to minister to me and hold me close to, to himself. And so that, that um, did not turn out the way I expected it. It was, uh, there was abuse in the marriage. And so after some time I, I left the marriage and that's when I fully came out and started identifying as is gay. That's when I started to fully take on the masculine identity. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing, uh, no clothes, no cologne, glasses, shoes, watches, everything on my person was bought from the men's department because I felt more comfortable. I felt more comfortable in my masculinity. I actually felt protected mm. in a masculine identity. And so I lived that way for years and um, continued to drink and party like crazy and, and wanted to settle down because, you know, I was in my uh, late 20s, early 30s. And, you know, you think you think you're ancient when, you, when you're that age and, and um, you know, ended up meeting a woman that we both figured we were going to spend the rest of our lives together. And, and we, we lived together, had a home together for years. And then some tragedies came into our life. One was 9-11 and both of us were flight attendants mm. and also living in New Jersey. Uh, so we could, you know, we looked out our attic window and saw the wreckage. Close to home, yeah. 
very close to home and then being a flight attendant as well. And then just a couple of months after that, my only brother was diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. And so that was devastating. Death started becoming real for me. Um, and so I started it deep, deep inside where you don't often reach into that part of your heart. Um, I started storing up questions like, you know, what happens, what will happen to me if I die? Is God mother nature? Is there reincarnation? You know, is, is God one of the aliens that might be flying around the sky? Who is God? I always wanted to find out if there was, there was a God. And, and so I, I started searching through other religious books, uh, not wanting to, to have anything to do with the Bible though. Um, the only thing I'd, I'd known of the Bible is unfortunately one time I was tripping on LSD when I was like 14 years old and went home while I was still high as a kite. Didn't know what to do. The only thing I could think of to do was grab the family Bible that was like, you know, the size of the television. I brought it into my bedroom, sat in my beanbag chair, and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be really cool. And I'm going to start at the end first. So I opened up the book of revelation <laughs> while I'm tripping on acid, reading about <laughs> dragons and stuff. And so that, that was pretty much my only childhood time in the word of God. And then as an adult, the only time I saw the word of God is when it was being held up on signs at gay pride parades, um, oh, wow. using it as a reference to tell me how much God hated me and that I was going to go to hell. Mm. So I didn't, I wanted to, to have spirituality in my life, but not anything to do with, with the God of the Bible or with Christianities because of the way Christians represented him. Yeah. But then uh, um, my brother in his process of, of being sick with lung cancer uh, told me one day that he actually uh, came to believe in Jesus as his savior. And he was very excited and I was excited for him mm. while at the same time, uh, nervous about what that meant for our relationship. Uh, but I just, again, just held that in my heart and he ended up passing away. And it was shortly after that, that I really began the, the questions that were buried in my heart started coming out more. And so I just one day woke up and looked at my girlfriend and asked her if she thought the way we were living was wrong. And she's like, I can't believe you just asked me that. I was literally just getting ready to ask you the same thing. Wow. And so that's where we, we know that God is always with us yeah. uh, before we know him, when we know him, you know, when we're in a place of, of, of sin or backsliding, he is always there. And so God and the Holy spirit came and met us that day. And we cried out and he showed us that he was real. We went to a church and through the worship music and the teaching of the word of God found out that God loved us. And so I surrendered my heart to him. My girlfriend did on that same day. So we walked in as lovers, left as sisters, Incredible. never to be with each other again. Incredible. And both of us were so excited to be his. I mean, we, we had a great relationship. It is, it was such a complete 180 for us to be excited. It wasn't even like we were thinking we're no longer each other's. All our thoughts went to, wow, we're his now. And so it just naturally came to our understanding that because we were his, we were no longer each other's and we truly became sisters in Christ. Wow. It's amazing. That, that is an incredible story. And I think, I mean, as you're talking, it highlights a couple things to me. Number one, that um, in spite of, 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 a, of a life full of, of tragedy that is a result of living in a sinful fallen world, God is so redemptive that he can even be working his plan through all of, all of those uh, things that, that in a perfect world he never would have willed for us, but, but will we'll, we'll lead us straight to his will at the end. <laughs> And uh, that's, that's incredibly encouraging, I think, for anyone who might be listening who is in the middle of something that they can't see the end of yet. Um, and we all get in those places where we don't understand the, the, the tragedy of the moment or the difficulty of the moment, but to, by faith, believe that God is working out His plan. That is a, a tremendous encouragement. Um, but regarding this is issue of sexuality, it highlights also to me your story, an issue of, of identity, right? Where... Um, the, the reality of coming, becoming a new creation in Christ really has the power to make everything else secondary. And really we become conformed to Christ, transformed by the renewing of our minds into the image of him 
who, who created us. Um, so on that line of thought, tell give me your thoughts. I, I think that this is my opinion, but I think that we, we have seen a, a huge uptick in our society when it comes to, um, confusion over gender and sexuality. I know that, that it's always been in, in the human story. Um, it's always been an issue. Uh, but I, I think that at least it's hitting closer to home, um, in my world, in, in, in the place I'm at, I'm hearing a, a more and more young people coming saying, this is, this is actually who I am. I'm, I'm actually a boy. I'm, I'm bisexual or pansexual, or, I mean, there's so many titles and things out there. Are they, are they really describing the same core issue? Um, what is your view on, on, on this current battle and where's the enemy trying to get people, um, in this, in this battle? Well, the enemy has always tried to confuse us. You know, did God really say? That's a confusing question. Hmm. And it makes you pause and go, wait, did he? Did I hear God wrong when God is so clear? One question from someone that's not coming with the heart of God can make us pause and go, wait, is that what God really said? And now we're inundated with those questions online via the social social dilemma that we're in. And so all these questions come in from all these people we don't even know, and they become authoritative in our mm-hmm. life, you know, and they're in deception. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that everybody we see on the internet is an evil person, yeah. but they might be walking in deception as, as well. And so all these voices are coming at us in so many different places. And so anything that brings us interest, like, oh, this person is talking about homosexuality or gender, and I'm kind of questioning mine right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to sit and listen to his or her video. And then when you click on that, if it's YouTube, you scroll and there's 10 more, just like it right below that. And so like when we, when this video gets posted, there's going to be more videos like this right under. So if people scroll, they're going to find more videos like this. So that's what a lot of these young people, especially children are doing. And they click on these things. Now they've created these algorithms that anytime they open their phone or the computer and they pull it up, this is what they're going to see right away. And they're going to think this is literally what the world is when, when it's the world is this big, but, but social media and those, uh, people they subscribe to their influencers have, have brought the world down to this tiny thing. And those are the only voices that they're hearing. And, and they're never quiet to sit and hear the voice of God telling them the truth. Mm-hmm. The iPhone came out in 2007. And since then, since 2007, when the iPhone came out, there's been a 3000% increase in teens identif- identifying as LGBT plus. So that's not some biological yeah. shift. Yeah, that's that's a social contagion, and it's yeah. um, there there <laughs> there there is a vaccine for that, and it's it's literally the truth of, of the word of, of God, and yeah. and we can be uh, soaked in that every day, but it's it's not it's it's a very loud, uh, rapid moving. Uh, environment that we live in now. So to tell a young person just to sit quietly uh, in the word of God, it's very hard for them to settle their mind Mm -hmm. and do that. And and so sometimes we lead them right back to the internet. It's like, well, okay, if you can't read, put this app on your phone, go to the, you know, go to the various, you know, the Bible app or dwell or whatever it might be and and sit and listen to the word of God. But once you have your phone in your hand, you're going to go to something else. Yeah. And, and I believe that's the biggest influencer yeah. that we have right now to where people my age and, 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 and older, generally, there were some common root issues um, that were prevalent, but I think it's very different now for our young people. And it's very hard to fight against, yeah. not fight against, but to give them a better understanding sure. of what social media really is and what it can do to their heart and mind. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. Ease of accessibility, the rapid progression at which these ideas are being propagated, and then the third component of that to me is is the connection that some of these 
ideas have with the flesh. And I think there is a, a growing ideology and philosophy out there, even among people who would say that they're followers of Jesus or Christians, that uh, if it feels right to me, it must be right for me. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea that that uh, that the that the flesh isn't inherently evil, or that that people are naturally good. So what I feel about who I am, and what I think about who I am, and what I hear that appeals to the way I feel, um, must be true. It must be good. Uh, speak to me your thoughts on that issue of, because uh, I think that's a, a, something the enemy confuses a lot of people with. Well, if if you feel that it's right and it and it appeals to you, then that must be right for you. And then, and then the gospel comes in and the Bible comes in and says, there's actually a, a, a borderline of truth. There's, there's actually a, a baseline of truth um, that we need to conform to, to find and understand what true freedom really is. Um, how do we communicate that message? How do we show that message? How do we break through? And, and what for you really brought that into, into view? Our feelings are so powerful. And yet there's some of our feelings that we consistently stuff, right? And and, and so God gave us feelings. And yet at the same time, he tells us to be careful that our heart is deceitful and and wicked. It's above all things, you know, basically he's like, who can know it? Oh, I, the Lord, I know the heart. And so if we take all of our feelings and bring them before the Lord in prayer and ask him, Lord, is, is this of you? Or is this of me, Um, this this feeling that I'm experiencing, this euphoria possibly, that I'm feeling, this freedom that I'm feeling, is this of you? I want to ask you to answer me through your Holy Spirit, but then can you please confirm it in your word? Mm. Because I'm hearing a lot of voices and they all sound like mine. My voice sounds like me. The enemy's voice sounds like me. And your voice sounds like me when I hear it through my consciousness. So could you please confirm what I'm experiencing through your word? And we have to trust that his word is inerrant and it's not changing. It's just as relevant today as as the day that the Holy Spirit was having the the men that wrote it pen it and bring it back to the word of God. And and I, I think we have... Um, seen a, a movement a little bit a, away from God's word, such as progressive Christianity, sure. to where it's all Holy Spirit. And, and that's what the enemy does. He takes what is good and he twists it. And so the Holy Spirit is good. Hearing from the Holy Spirit is good. Oh, God, we want to hear from you, Holy Spirit, even more. But when it's only Holy Spirit and it doesn't line up with the word of God, then that's a place the enemy can come in and, and deceive us and actually somewhat sounds like the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so I have always lined things up with the word of God. I won't make a decision. I won't do anything until the Lord speaks to me in his word. And for some of you listening, you might not understand uh, what that means, but um, you, as you grow in the Lord, you, you, you tend to understand when it is the spirit of God mm. speaking to you um, and, and when it is just sometimes our own uh, desires or our, our own heart. And so um, as I was praying about uh, moving out to California from New Jersey out to California, I prayed and I felt like the Lord was confirming it through his, his spirit, confirming it through uh, my pastor, John Randall here in, in California, my pastor Lloyd Pulley back in, in New Jersey and uh, through messages I was listening to, but I still wanted it in his word. Yeah. And so uh, the Lord brought me as I was reading one day in Exodus uh, chapter 33, um, in, in verse 13, Moses was saying, you know, I pray if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And then uh, Jesus or God, the father says, uh, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And I knew in that moment that was the Lord speaking to me. So that's just an example for those of you who might not uh, fully understand what I was meaning by that. And, and so God is going to speak to you in, in his, in his word. But, um, I, I thought when I, uh, started identifying as gay, that I was, I had been suppressing my feelings and my desires for, you know, 
20 plus years prior to that. And when I came out, it felt like freedom. The only, it was, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, it was similar to the freedom I felt in Christ. There is no freedom like the freedom we get in Jesus. Amen. Yeah. But I felt a sense of freedom because I was no longer saying no to my fleshly desires, which I tried to stop. And so I was doing anything I wanted. I was dressing how I wanted, moving. I was back to the way I was when I was six years old and it felt really good. Yeah. And so, of course, it would make sense that I was actually free and I was living my true self now, but that's how deception is. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of convinced that Eve for a moment in time, as she was, as she was giving into that temptation, she saw the, 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 the fruit was attractive and that it was good for food and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life hit her. And she said, I, I, I'm going to be like God that there was probably for a moment, a sense of freedom. Like I, I'm my mm -hmm. own, I'm making my own decision. I'm going my own way and I am empowered only to realize that, that, that to disregard God's word and to go your own way leads to death, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, the Bible says, but it's end is death. And at the core of it is really people want to be wiser than God. They want to convince themselves that I know more than God. Um, I'm, I'm smarter than God. I have a better plan for my life than God. Um, but the end of that never ends in, in true peace or freedom or, or joy or fulfillment. It ends in shame. I That's mean, she right. instantly went to shame when, when I was living my, my, uh, self-proclaimed freedom mm. again, deep inside. Now I was burying different things. Before I, when I wasn't acting upon my, my same sex attraction through identity, I was stuffing my fleshly desires. Then when I came out, those desires came up, but I had to stuff something else. I had to stuff in my heart, the truth, because we all know the truth because God puts it into our heart as he's created us. So now those little parts of me that were popping into my head occasionally, man, this this just isn't right. You're not really a man as much as you want to be a man. You're not. And so you're having to create manhood within yourself with things that aren't real, like the way you dress and different things that you do. Um, uh, be careful if there's kids listening, uh, pop their ears now, but even different things that I would do in, in intimate sexual situations, mm -hmm. I had to pretend that I was a man and deep inside, I knew what I was doing wasn't real. There was nothing I could do to really become a man, mm -hmm. but it, I wanted it. So I had to stuff that. So there was an exchange of stuffing yeah. and, and that's what happens when we follow our heart or we yeah. follow our feelings. We have to stuff the truth that all of us know within ourselves because that's how God created us. Yeah. It, um, it really gets me thinking as you speak about, about Romans chapter one, where, uh, the Bible's pretty clear in, in, in how do we, how do, how do people get into a certain state of rebellion against God? is that they suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. And because they did not want to retain God, Paul says, in their mind, God gave them over to a debased mind. And we, we read that passage about the exchange of natural for the unnatural in, in human yeah. sexuality. But you hear it a lot. Um, and I, I'd, lo I'd love to just hear your, your, your input biblically and, and just from your own experience on this. Um, I was born this way. This is how God made me. Why would he want me to change? Why would he make me this way if it was, if there was bad things, which, you know, as, as, as just a human male, I know, well, I've got a lot of bad things that I, that I, that my flesh would be attracted to or like that I know are not best for me. So there's a battle in all of us, but this is a deeper issue for so many people because it's rooted in identity and, um, so, so where do we go with this? Uh, am I born this way? Did something happen to me to make me this way at the end of the day? Does it really matter in, in light of the truth of the gospel and what, what it can accomplish in my life? Um, where does all that play in? 
Yeah, great question. So uh, most people with with a, a gay identity or, or an identity that that is incorporated in any part of the LGBTQ plus acronym, um, many will say that they were born that way because as far back as they can remember, there were feelings there or uh, uh, challenges there with their identity. And mm-hmm. so it's natural to think, well, these were my first thoughts. Therefore, I must have been born that way. I too thought that until after I got saved and and see, I wasn't raised in, in a Christian home. So I didn't, I wasn't on my you know, knees every night praying the gay away. I didn't know to uh, come to God when I was eight years old and say, God, please take this away, which is what a lot of our, our um, young kids and youth groups and such are, are doing. They're, they're asking God to, to take it away, and yet it's still there, and they don't know what to do with that. Um, so after I got saved and my my honeymoon phase uh, was over and, and some of these... Um, I recognized that I still would catch myself looking or longing for something that God delivered me from. Um, I'm like, okay, God, I have to ask you. I, I trusted him now. I was growing to understand him. I read through the entire Bible in, in six months and was just like, I couldn't get enough of yeah. him and his truth because I realized I was living in truth now. And it was so exciting. And so I asked him, Lord, I, you know, I thought I was born this way. It's all I can remember. When did this start? Why did this start? Was I born this way? I don't think I was according to your word, but it sure does seem like I was. And that's, uh, will you show me everywhere I've been deceived and, and replace this deception with your truth? And that's when he began uh, to show me. Now I'm sober for the first time in 24 years mm-hmm. and the memories were coming back and, and uh, kind of just flashes of images and I'm like, okay, Lord, is, is that a memory? Is that from you? And, and through talking with him and praying and fasting and being in his word, he was showing me that, yes, this, in fact, uh, these flashes were memories. Wow. And then that's when he showed me how I detached from my mom. It wasn't just that I was good at, at all the sports and the athleticism. Yeah. And I had an evil Knievel instead of a Barbie, you know, there was things that I saw in the home, um, my father, this isn't me throwing my parents under the bus, but oh, no. my father would constantly belittle my mother with the things that he would say to her. Mm. He would call her stupid, stupid and worthless and crazy and, and um, you know, basically come home from work and it's like, all right, dinner's on the table. And he would sit down and he'd holler out, where's my drink? And, and I'm just like, wow, that's how women get treated. And that's what men think of women. I do not want to be that. I want to be powerful. I want to have, I want to be a professional athlete, which I won't get as a woman. I want to be, you know, I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be all this stuff that it seemed only men could obtain. And so uh, I detached from my mom and didn't learn femininity from her. Uh, I desired uh, typical male roles of occupation. And, And so with, all of these lies, it quickened in my brain to say, oh, you were born that way. But the Lord showed me that there was reasons behind this. And it can be big reasons like the sexual trauma that I endured, or just little tiny things um, that, you know, maybe a little, little boy is uh, artistic and um, very articulate with the way he talks. And so he's around other boys his age and they might use three words to explain something and he uses six sentences and the other boys look at him like he has three heads like why you're talking like a girl yeah you know and that's a little seed planted that the enemy takes and waters and it starts to manifest now if there's other things added into that like you know dad's working two jobs to take care of his family because he loves his family so much that he's willing to sacrifice himself and work two jobs, but the child or the son especially might see that as dad never being around. Uh, Satan takes that as plants a seed. Oh, your dad's rejecting you because when he comes home, he has no time for you because he's utterly exhausted. Mm. And so the child is going to cling to one of the parents, you know, maybe the little boy clings to mom. He isn't born gay, but God has given him a, a beautiful gift of articulation, Mm. tenderness, a tender hearted, tender hearted boys, man, they get, eaten up and spit out when they're little 
And so now you've created this, the enemy has come in and, and helped create this understandable yet false identity. Yeah. The enemy is always trying to steal away uh, the quote unquote innocence of children. He's always come after wow. children. Yeah. He comes after children through abortion. He comes after children through, uh, if, if we have uh, more homosexual relationships than heterosexual relationships, there's going to be less children. Now we have a big asexual movement. Now we have so many kids watching pornography that they don't even want to engage in sex with, with other kids, which is great. It's like, you know, pornography is purity culture on steroids, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. kids don't even want sex now, which that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But 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 it's like whatever the enemy can do to just uh, confuse or eliminate children, he's done that from the beginning. Yeah, and that that's such a key issue. In fact, uh, I want to ask you one more question to switch the gears a little bit, then come back, and I'd like you to um, speak a little bit to to parents out there. Uh, regarding these issues, but uh, before we get to there, I want I want to take a left turn real quick because, um, and I don't mean that I don't mean a pun intended by by left turn, but um, I'm watching as a pastor, the the church as a whole, um, especially in the in our Western culture, uh, they're just like hook line and sinker, drinking in, uh, soaking in, embracing, um, parroting. Uh, this, this, these errant ideas of the world, of this uh, secular, um, these secular ideologies and philosophies out there, and it's it's creating this this whole even different approach to theology in the church that is trickling down into congregations and to people, to where now the issue of sexuality is either at 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 best just just something we want to avoid talking about, at worst something that we actually affirm in unbiblical perspective on because we want to be nice or tolerant or, or, you know, love all people, um, which is actually the Christian now has, has taken the role of, of actually allowing people to stay in bondage because of their unwillingness to love them biblically or, or speak the truth to them in love, or like you were speaking earlier on the other end of things, um, really a, a, just a, a form of hate in the name of the gospel in the name of Jesus. And, and it's even to the point where scriptures that, like the one I, I spoke about in Romans, that have been understood by the church one way for 2,000 years, all of a sudden there's a surge of unorthodox, you know, theologians who have this new revelation of what it really means. And just so happens that it really agrees with all of our liberal ideas that come from godless, you know, sources and roots to where the Christians Christians now are confused. They don't know, how do I handle my my gay cousin? How do I love my my friend who's, and, and speak the truth to them? How do I really love people? Um, and they're confused. And I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a blemish on, on the church. Uh, it's not beyond God's power. There's a lot of great voices out there like yours and so many others. Um, but where, where have we gone wrong as a church and how do we as individual Christians or maybe even corporate local churches, how do we re-engage in a truthful, honest, biblical way? Thank you for asking. We simply talk about it. I mean, we didn't talk about, uh, sex and sexuality in the church for years, except mm. for don't have sex till you're married. And then it's going to be fantastic, you know, and, and, and so, um, that's what out of Egypt ministries is actually a lot of people will be like, oh, you have a ministry and you go and talk to the LGBT community. And I'm like, no, I, my ministry is for the church. I go to the church and prayerfully, hopefully uh, equip the church so that they can go out and minister to the LGBT community within their town and their neighborhood and, and their jobs. And so we, we simply talk about it. We, we don't, um, you know, there was, there's so many stories that I've heard of, of young people being in youth group and they, they've gone to their youth pastor and said, you know, hey, I have same-sex attraction, what do I do? And, and for years, the, the, the general answer was, well, you need to pray and ask the Lord for deliverance. Uh, you just really need to pray more and read the Bible more and, and, and you know, just spend more time with the fellas, you know, if, if it's a guy. And while those are all great 
tools. It doesn't help the real fact that this kid is, is actually suffering with same sex attraction because it's, it's something he doesn't want. And, and what we need to do, like, I, I just, I love when I get to talk to, to the youth group, they want to hear truth. And there's so many kids that haven't actually heard stories like mine. I was just at a, at a large church in um, Virginia. They typically, and this is just taking me out of the picture. This is all glory to God. Um, but they, they made an announcement that somebody was coming to talk about this issue. They typically have, I think, like they said, like 150 kids usually coming to youth group. And I think they said there was close to 300 kids that came out to listen to this. And some of them were kids from, you know, the local schools and some of them were kids from the youth group there, meaning some were walking with the Lord, some were not. But at the end, again, taking me out of the picture at the end, they gave a standing ovation because they said they'd never heard a story of redemption like this. All they ever heard is you're born this way and you either have to uh, remain celibate um, and just continue to deny yourself and honor God and, 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 and walk with him, or you can be gay and, and, and be in a monogamous uh, marital same-sex union yeah. and walk with God that way, and, and, and which is actually broken down into what the, the gay Christian community calls side A and side B, gay Christianity, but that's yeah. a whole another conversation we can yeah. have. But, but n- neither of those are, are fully true yes um when someone comes to the lord whether you're you have uh heterosexual desires or homosexual desires as a single person you have to lay that down before the lord and walk you know rightly before him in in your sexuality mm-hmm. but also um carrying a gay identity in not only in engaging in the identity but also in the behavior uh, god says that that is not his created order And he is a God of order with sexual boundaries that he's given us for our good and for his glory. And that is outside of his created order. Therefore, it is sinful, even if you are claiming the name of Christ. But I will say most uh, gay Christians who go to affirming churches are also the very progressive churches, um, which, again, are taking the word of God out of it. (laughs) excuse me. And then when they bring the word of God in, they say that we've been interpreting it incorrectly for 2000 years. And those are the very big influencers on social media, which is where our uh, same sex attracted kids are going. Mm -hmm. So um, I forgot what your question was. I'm sorry for, for the long, you've really, you've really really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I I just, uh, I think, um, and I don't know if there might be another pastor or ministry leader who ends up watching this or listening to this, but as a pastor, um, I'm constantly feeling the pressures of, of people. You know, the culture is constantly putting a pressure on the pastoral pulpit. And, uh, and yet uh, to remind myself that ultimately I believe that God's truth is what brings freedom to people, that love does not rejoice in, in, in iniquity and evil, but rejoices in good. And that the best thing I can do to people for people, if I really love them, and in, in, is is to is to speak the the truth of God in love to them. <laughs> and I think that there might be some some pastors and leaders, uh, youth group leaders, that really need to be reminded of that that um, that the truth of Christ does have the power to set people free. But it's not just these cliche, like you said, these cliche answers or these pat answers of, you know, step A, B, and C, and, and all of a sudden it's this magic switch that, no, mm-hmm. we got to get involved with people. We have to listen to them. We have to uh, engage them and be concerned with long-term discipleship and not be afraid of the the challenges or the questions or the difficulties that might come in that kind of relationship. If, if I may say, yeah. uh, Josh, if, if I were to read the Bible Uh, Every time or many times when I would sit down to read the Bible, if I'm reading the Bible to find a way to get healing from my same-sex attraction or finding a way, uh, some verse that says it's okay to engage in the behavior that coincides with my same-sex attraction, I wouldn't be where I was now. I, I sit down and I read the word of God to find out who he is not to help me with who I am. That's just a byproduct of finding out who he is. So the, the more I read the Bible for my 
vertical identity, the better I understand my own self-identity and the better I'm able to have a horizontal identity with other people that are like me and with other people who are not like me. And, and so um, if, if we're always searching for answers on how to be healed from whatever or how to be able to engage in what we want to that feels right for us, we're, we're going to miss out on, on the who of the Bible, not what does the Bible say about this? I love that. But focus on the who and all of the what's come, <laughs> come together yes. in, the, in the right way. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I've had a number of parents in my office and not, not going to speak to any specific situation, just to the heartbeat of what I hear. Um, my, my teenager or even my adult child is dealing with uh, homosexuality or they're getting married uh, to another woman or to another man. I've, I've had everything from the full spectrum of, of heartbroken parents who feel like they failed, don't know how to approach their children anymore. Uh, to the other end of like, you know, I, I know the Bible says some things about that, but nothing's going to keep me from supporting my my child and, and affirming and being loving towards them. Um, that full spectrum, I, as a parent, I can only I can only visualize or try to imagine of what that might be like if one of my own children uh, went down that path and that road. Do you have any words of encouragement or even if need be exhortation? To, to parents who are either a dealing with it or or saying um how can i proactively speak to my kids or protect them or uh insert certain disciplines to help try to do everything i can to protect them from these these rampant things that are happening everywhere around us yes yes and hopefully yes i i can have a, a word of encouragement yeah. and and just uh, lord help me to do this briefly uh for each phase of life for for your children that are under 10 years old my heart heart heartfelt encouragement is to weekly as a family dad sit down and read chapters one two and three of genesis every week as a family event to your children, if they're um, eight years old and under, use their children's Bible yeah. um, so that they will understand it. Really concentrate for, you know, like uh, the first month on read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The first month, really concentrate and go back and talk about Genesis 1 in, in creation. And then the next month, talk about Genesis 2, which talks about creation as well. But it also talks about the goodness of God, how he didn't want Adam to be alone. Mm. And then the following month, again, in the children's Bible, uh, read all three and then, you know, place some emphasis on chapter three, which is the fall, where uh, that's when you can introduce, you know, um, we, we read and we studied as a family, Genesis chapter one, where God created a male and female. Uh, God explains this to us even deeper in chapter two, he created us male and female. And that's, a, that's a good thing. In chapter three, we see that people are confused. You know, uh, the enemy comes in and lies to us. And therefore we can be either confused by what God really said, or we can just really just want what we want and say no to what God says. And this is what we want. And people do that. You're going to find that you do that as, as you get older. Um, mommy and daddy, it's called sin or it's called making a mistake, whatever age your child is. Um, but God sees that uh, he that's why he sent Jesus is because we've made these mistakes. God understands that loves us still loves us so much that he made a way of escape, so to speak. Um, from this and then say when you see someone that's um, outside of what God calls uh, hit what we read to be God's creation male and female you might see two men together and you might ask mommy and daddy say why are they holding hands like you and mommy and say because uh, they're living outside of God's created order probably because they don't understand God created it that way or because they just don't want to live the way God said, but God still wants to speak to them. God still loves them. And we don't ever want to make fun of them. We want to pray for them. As a matter of fact, let's pray for them right now. Mm -hmm. And then as they get a little bit older, you can ask them questions like, you know, as you're continuing to read through Genesis one, two, and three, um, 
you know, as they get a little bit older, you can go in, you know, the Tower of Babel, and I think it would have said chapter 11, um, talk about the confusion, and then start to ask them once they get into school, do you have any teachers that are telling you that girls can be boys or boys can be girls? Or do you have any friends that are doing that? And if they say yes, the first question is, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Not like, oh, but wait, we read how wrong that is. Yeah. That's already in that's already in them because yeah. you've you've spent that time. You need to ask them how it makes them feel. If they say it makes them feel uncomfortable, then then you'd spend that time in prayer. And if they say, well, I think it's okay, then you say, you know what? Thanks for for being honest that you think mm-hmm. it's okay. And then you spend time in prayer concerning that. And that's when you know you need to affirm them in their gender. Yeah. Yeah. Lightly. Then as, as, as you get older, if you have a teenager that says they're, you know, identifying as gay or tran or pan or bi, uh, usually tween and teen girls are the bi, the pan and the tran. Um, just uh, if you can, mom and dad, when they come to you and say this, it's going to be a shock. But if you can say, whoa, uh, was not expecting that, but thank you for trusting us enough to come and mm. say that to us. Um, when did you first start to recognize that you were bisexual or what do you mean by bisexual? What do you mean by pansexual? What do you mean by transgender and make them explain it? And then this is important. Say, were you, are you explaining that from your own heart or are you using what you've heard from someone you've been watching on the internet? Can you explain Mm. that to me in your own words? And if they say, if it's, you know, if it's an 11 year old girl that says I'm bisexual then say, so what do you mean by that? And if they say, I like boys and girls keep digging, what do you mean by that? Well, well, I think girls are pretty. And that's when you can say, well, you know what? Girls are pretty. And you should think that girls are pretty and, and girls, your age are looking at other girls and how to act, how to dress, how to move. And so if you see her shape and her beauty, and there's a little stirring inside of you, that's very typical and very normal. It's a part of, of, of uh, growing up, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's your sexuality. Mm. And then for those older out of school, you know, you have a 25 year old son or daughter that comes home and says, Hey, I've you know been in this same sex relationship. Uh, I need you to affirm me. If you don't affirm me, then you're actually abusing me. And if I don't get that affirmation, I'm, you're no longer going to be a part of my life. Yeah. That's a rough one. That's happening a lot. Yeah. Uh, again, the parents at that point, the parents can say, you know what? Um, the way you're approaching me with this is out of left field. Uh, you're going to need to give you know your dad and I time to fully understand what you're talking about. Um, and we want to come before the Lord and ask God how we are to uh, uh, minister to you um, in such a way that you still understand how much we love you without denying the, the word of God. And if they say, well, you know, I'm still a Christian, then you can say, well, you know what, you go home and pray and ask God to show us how to love and minister to you right where you are without you receiving it as a compromise of our love, but also without it, uh, without us compromising our belief in God. And then you can say, do you want us to lay down our belief in God and our walk with God to affirm you? Is that what you're ask them? Is that what you're asking for us to lay down our faith for you? That's great. Great insight. I think that's a great starting point for so many people. Um, final, final words here. Let me just ask you to give, uh, let's say, let's say someone who really is in the battle of their life with this issue in their heart. Um, they've stumbled upon this. They've listened up to this point and, and stuck through it all and are at the point of saying, uh, I, I just don't know how to confront this in myself. And I, I, I'm hearing the things you're saying I'm fighting against them, but there's part of me that wants to fight against them really. And uh, what do I do? What are your final thoughts, your final words to leave with those people? Thanks for sticking it out. Thanks for hanging out this, this whole time. Um, the Lord loves you very much. He doesn't love you any more or any less uh, with your struggle. He loves you because he loves you and he chose 
to create you and knit you together in your mother's womb and, and just keep running to him. Uh, when you do something, if you're watching porn, if you're masturbating, if you're, if you're doing anything that, that makes you feel like you're separated from God, know that he has never left you run to him instead of from him. Sin makes us feel shameful. It's one of the reasons I believe that God doesn't, that, you know, God doesn't want us to revel in our sin because he knows it brings us shame. And when we're shameful, we run from him like Adam and Eve did in the garden. So, so if you fall, get back up again, turn to him, don't run from him. And my encouragement for you is um, I love to pray scripture over my friends and my loved ones, pray scripture over yourself. Um, when you're battling with, with thoughts in your mind, uh, go to Romans chapter 12 um, and, and, and pray verse two back to God. Verse two says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so you can say, Lord, I am struggling with thoughts of pornography or masturbation in, in my mind. I just want to cry out to you and pray that you would wash my mind with the truth of who you are. So my mind will be transformed to you that I could take every thought captive to, to the obedience of who you are, Jesus, and that you would renew my mind in this very moment to thoughts of you so that I could prove within myself that, that you have this good and perfect will for me. Uh, Lord, uh, your word says in first Corinthians chapter 10, that with every temptation, it's mm. common to man, but with every temptation, you make a way of escape. Lord, will you show me what the way of escape is is right now, uh, God help me. I need a way of escape out of what I'm thinking right now. And just uh, in that, I want to say that when I've done that, crying out to him, actually literally looking, look like, Lord, do I, do I run out the door? Do I go jogging? Do I turn on worship music? What the Lord showed me is me praying to him is the way of escape because Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life. And so when it says uh, that, Lord, you will make a way of escape, Jesus is the way. And I'm really connecting with him when I'm in prayer, but also just, you can jot this down, uh, pray over yourself. Um, I call it praying truth back to truth. And I do not see how God can take his word of truth when we pray it back to him and not answer it. Mm. Um, so in Ephesians chapter three, I pray for myself often verses 16 through 19. Um, just talking about that he would uh, grant uh, help us to be strengthened in him, that we would be rooted and grounded in his love and that we would know the love of Christ and that his love actually passes knowledge. And then I love this part. It says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I ask him to fill me with his goodness. And then this last one, write this down. Um, Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 11. And this is actually talking about being filled with the knowledge of his will, with his wisdom, with spiritual understanding, help us to walk worthy of him and to fully uh, please him and that we would be fruitful in our works and we would be strengthened in him. Because when we have the knowledge of God, mm. we have a better understanding of what we're experiencing. And then when we have that knowledge and that understanding, then we can walk that out in wisdom, which he gives us, especially when we ask in prayer. That is just, so, that's just some awesome counsel. And uh, I, I do want to add to uh, that. If, if you end up watching this, um, maybe you found it on YouTube or something when you're studying the topic. Uh, and this is the first time you're actually hearing that there is a God who mm. created you in his image whose heart for you and intentions towards you are good and not evil and wants you to experience the, the best possible version of being human. Um, and, and, and yet you recognize there's this wrestling within yourself and it's called sin, this desire to do something that you know is not what he designed you for. You know, it's not the best for you. And uh, you're feeling distant and far and disconnected from God because of that sin. The Bible said God didn't uh, God is not merely a judge who, who just wants to uh, destroy you because you're such a bad person, but God actually wants to forgive the sin that's in you. 
And he did that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to take your sin upon himself, to die a death on a cross, though he was completely innocent, and ultimately to conquer death forever so that he could offer you the gift of eternal life through his name and freedom, uh, abundant life now, freedom from sin. And, you know, the Bible says that those who are in Christ, that all the old things have passed away and that all things have become new. And you can experience that newness of life in Jesus today. You can give him your sin, your shame, your failures, and pass from his judgment into life by faith in Jesus Christ. And we would just love for you to take that step of faith and calling upon his name today if you've never done that before in your life. And, and so um, check out Patty's website too. I know there's going to be some great resources there for you. And Patty, I want to thank you again so much for joining us, for giving us uh, some really awesome wisdom and insight. And um, thank you for what you do in sharing your testimony and what God's done in your life uh, with, the, with the rest of us. Amen. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Okay. Here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys, and we'll uh, see you next time as we gather together. Bye now.